It's great to be here today. Before I get started, I just want to ask the church here to uh, extend a warm welcome to Lincoln, who's here for the first time in his life. <laughs> If you don't know it, he just happens to be my newest grandchild. Today starts part two. This sermon is part two of a two-part sermon. And I'm sure some of you were not here last week. Man, you missed it. What you missed was a crazy story about the life of Jacob and all the things that he went through. And so I'm going to just give you a little bit of a recap quickly, okay? And then we'll start in on the rest of what we want to talk about in Jacob's life. Remember, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. God himself said on many occasions that I am the God of Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. So I think Jacob had a very special place in God's heart in spite of him. Jacob, remember, took advantage of the weakness of his brother to sort of con him into selling him his birthright. Later, when their father Isaac was about to die and confer the blessing, the patriarchal blessing on the oldest child, which was Esau. Jacob and his mother deceived the old man Isaac and literally stole the blessing. His brother got so mad at him, he's going to kill him. And so he ran away from there. He ran all the way back to his ancestor's homeland to save his life and to find a wife. He found the love of his life, but he had no bride price to offer. And so he made a deal that he would work seven years to get Rachel. Seven years, guys. Would you have worked for her seven years? Maybe you've been working for her seven years. I don't know. <laughs> and then you remember the craziness. How that Laban, his father-in-law, on their wedding night, did a bait and switch, and Jacob wakes up the next morning and finds out it's not his beloved Rachel after all. It's Leah her older sister. How crazy is that? Needless to say, he was quite disappointed. He did get his wife, Rachel, a week later, but he had to work another seven years to have her. And so 14 years work to get Rachel is what it boiled down to. Then he stays another six years, essentially becoming a slave to his father-in-law. 
His father-in-law was as much a deceiver as Jacob had been. And so, you know, what goes around comes around. And so Jacob was the victim of all of Laban's dealings. And finally, Jacob devised a plan where he could use the wealth of his father-in-law to get rich himself. And so he had a scheme that he devised with some strange uh, goat breeding that I know nothing about, and I'm not even going to attempt to explain it. But anyway, through all of this, he wound up, in essence, kind of stealing the best of Laban's flock, and he gets rich over all of this at the expense of his father-in-law. This does not bode well with Laban's sons, and so there is a lot of tension in the family. And this just adds to the tension in Jacob's immediate family, because remember, he's got two wives, sisters. I think it would be bad enough to have two wives, but to have them be sisters, yeah, I don't, I don't know, that, that's going to be tough, tough sledding for Jacob. And it was. And there was a lot of jealousy between them. You remember, Leah was jealous of Rachel because Jacob loved Rachel. He didn't love Leah. But Rachel was jealous of Leah because Leah was able to have children and Rachel was not able to have children. And so there's jealousy going back and forth both ways. And then... Once Leah has some children, has some sons, Rachel gets desperate, and so she gives her handmaiden to Jacob as a concubine in hopes that somehow through her, she can give Jacob children. And it works. And then after a while, Leah can't have any more kids. And so she gives her handmaiden to Jacob. So now, I guess in essence, he's got four wives. Gets confusing, huh? They could make a movie out of that for sure. So anyway, then there's this crazy story about the mandrakes. Mandrakes were sort of a tomato-like yellowish fruit that really was an ancient fertility drug. That's what that was. And so then there's a let's make a deal thing going on here that gets weird, and there's all kinds of strange going-ons in that family, a lot of dysfunction. Then there was some sibling rivalry and all this stuff going on. So at the end of 20 years, God calls Jacob to go back home. He had spent 20 years in this place and all this craziness had gone on and now God reveals himself and tells him it's time for you to go back home. Now remember on his trip there, 
While he was asleep, God appeared to him in a dream or a vision, and that's when he saw Jacob's ladder and the angels going back and forth and all that. So God had already revealed himself to Jacob 20 years earlier, and now on the way back, he's going to reveal himself to him again. But there's just one important caveat here about this trip home. Remember when he left home? Everybody remember that? Remember one of the reasons why he fled? He fled to save his life. Why? Because Esau said, I'm going to kill him. Well, he's got to go meet Esau. How's that going to go? We hadn't texted in 20 years. I don't know what Esau's doing. I don't know how he's thinking. I don't know how he feels. I don't know what awaits me. And he obviously is very afraid. He's worried sick about what's going to happen. He doesn't know the kind of reception that he's going to get from Esau, his brother. He's very disturbed about it. And so he devises a plan Another one of Jacob's schemes, another one of his plans to save his own hide. So he divides all of his possessions, his family members. He has three groups here. And he puts them in this group according to preference. And of course that means Rachel's going to be last. But anyway, he's hoping that if Esau has it in for him and Esau tries to kill him, maybe he won't get past the first or second group and that'll give Jacob time. Jacob's going to come at the back, you know. Real brave character here. He puts his, he's got, you know, it's, it's kind of like when, when Luke gets scared at night and Olivia wakes him up and says, what's that? I think somebody's trying to get in. And Luke says, you go see. That's kind of what's going on here with Jacob, you see. And so he's going to stay at the back, and he's going to hope that he can save his life if things turn out bad with Esau. So that's where we are in the story. And now we have the strangest wrestling match in history. Are you ready to rumble? <laughs> How about wrestling with God? So Jacob is alone. He's staying all the way at the back. He's alone by himself. And he's having trouble sleeping. I guess we all might have trouble sleeping if we thought this might be my last night on earth because my brother is going to slaughter me. He's going to kill me tomorrow. So he's having trouble sleeping, and God shows up again. God appears to him, and this is very confusing. If you paid attention to the passage that Scott read earlier, this is one of the most confusing chapters in the Bible. There's a lot here that's very difficult to make sense of. Did he literally, actually wrestle with God? 
and it seems like this tussle goes on pretty much all night. You mean God couldn't whip Jacob? Well, I don't think that's what's going on here, is it? Okay, did he wrestle with an angel? Was it an angel of God? Well, even so, could Jacob win a wrestling match with an angel? Because in a way, it looks like Jacob won the wrestling match when you read this, right? Jacob gained the victory. So how do you win a wrestling match with God, or how do you win a wrestling match with an angel? Remember, the one story in the Bible, an angel killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. I don't think Jacob wrestled with that angel. So, what happened here? Well, you know, one of the best things that we can do whenever we're studying Scripture, and we come to a Scripture that's kind of confusing, we scratch our heads and wonder what in the world is going on here, what does this mean? Maybe, hopefully, there's some other verses somewhere else that will shed some light on what's going on here, okay? Bingo. Turn to Hosea chapter 12. Thankfully, we have a little bit more information here, and so I want to turn and read this. Beginning at verse 3, or I'll back up to verse 2, the Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel. So notice that. First of all, it says he strove with God, and the very next verse says he strove with the angel and prevailed. Now, there are many, many places in the Word of God where an angel, a messenger of God, appears in human form, a theophany, if you will, and that angel is representing God in some way, okay? So that's why God and angel are used interchangeably, not just here, but in many places in Scripture. So, this is an angel that the Lord has sent. It's a theophany. He appears as a man. And as a man, this angel is wrestling with Jacob. But let's learn a little bit more about this wrestling match. So he, stro he strove or strives with God and strives with the angel and prevailed. But listen to the last part of verse 4. He wept and sought his favor. There's your wrestling. This isn't the kind of wrestling match that you may have initially thought of. He is wrestling through his weeping and his seeking after God. Now what is he seeking from God? Well, we already know in the passage that Scott read, he's seeking a blessing from God. He's seeking a blessing. And you think, well, wait a minute. Didn't he already receive a blessing from God 20 years ago on the way to 
his ancestors' homeland? Wasn't that the point of the dream? The angels going back and forth, wasn't God telling him, I am going to bless you? Remember, he received the blessing of his father, Isaac, before he died, took it away from Esau, but he received the patriarchal blessing. Now, how did he get that blessing? Remember? He manipulated the situation. He orchestrated the situation. He deceived his father. He got the blessing for himself, right? Kind of like what he did with Laban's flocks. He orchestrated, manipulated. He had a scheme, a plan. He worked all of this out for his benefit. He was a schemer. He was a deceiver. He was in for himself. And he got rich doing that. Jacob is successful. He's married to a beautiful woman, the love of his life. He is a very wealthy man. He has everything you could want in that day and time. But he got it all himself. At least it appears. And the problem he's facing now as he's having a sleepless night worrying about what his brother's going to do to him the next day is that now he's up against a situation he cannot manipulate this. He cannot orchestrate this situation with Esau. He has no control whatsoever with what is going to happen the next day. He doesn't know what's going to happen the next day. And so notice in the story, it's the angel who comes to Jacob. So it is actually God who seeks Jacob, not the other way around. You see that? And God is seeking Jacob in the moment of Jacob's weakness. And in the striving, the angel by a touch, now this shows what the angel could have done if he wanted to, but just by a touch, he essentially dislocates Jacob's hip and disarms him further. But he's telling Jacob, okay, this is over, I'm done, it's almost daylight. It's time to move on, get out of here. Wrestling match is over. But Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let you go. I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. What blessing do you think Jacob is interested in at this moment? Why do you think he's been weeping? Why is he crying? Why is he worried? Why is he afraid? The blessing that Jacob is seeking from God, please save me from Esau. Save me from my brother. Save me from what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Now remember, he set all of these flocks up, all of these animals, all of his wealth, if you will, at the front of a line. So he's not worried about the wealth. He's ready to give, give the wealth to Esau if it will spare his life. 
What he's concerned about is his life. Well, God blesses him. And he reiterates the things that he said 20 years ago. He reiterates some things that came from the mouth of Isaac, his father, when he received the blessing there. But this time, God gives him a blessing. He doesn't get it for himself. He gets it because God gives it to him. And one of the reasons it appears from the text, implied in the text, is Jacob prevails. In other words, he did get the blessing from God. That's what that means. That doesn't mean he beat God in a wrestling match. It means that he received the blessing that he sought from God. But he did so because he didn't give up. He kept on asking and pleading and begging and crying. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had a time in your life where in spite of all the things that you had done in your past to control, to manipulate, to maneuver, to intimidate, to get people to do what you wanted them to do, to orchestrate the situation where things would turn out the way you want it to turn out, no more. You're in a situation you can't do that. You don't know what's going to happen. You're afraid. You have doubts. You have anxiety. What are you going to do? What's going to happen to me? How's this going to work? And so, because of that, you do what you should have done a long time ago. You cry out to God in your weakness, in your humility in your self-knowledge that I can't fix this, I can't make this work, I don't know what to do, I need help, and you cry out to God, and that's how you wrestle with God. Lord, bless me. I'm not talking about blessing me with wealth. I'm saying, Lord, in this situation, in this difficult moment, in this trying time in my life, when I am helpless, I need you to step up. I need you to step in. I need you to do something. I need you to help me. I need you, God. And you don't give up. It reminds me of the importunate widow in Luke 18. The Bible tells that parable where this woman, she just kept on and on and on every day asking the judge for mercy in her case. And finally, he said, I don't care anything about this woman, but she is driving me crazy. I'm going to shut her up and do what she wants. Well, God's not like that. But God is fully aware of our intensity. God is fully aware of the enormity of our need and our desire. And we are God's children. 
And he cares about those things in our life. He cares about us. He wants to bless his children. But sometimes, for whatever reason, reasons that are far beyond us, maybe it's because of who Jacob was, maybe it's because of his past and all the things that he did and the way that he had lived his life, I don't know. But because of all of these things, God saw it best to hold off on giving him the blessing and to weaken him further, in this case, physically crippled him. Do you think Jacob was better off the rest of his life as a cripple? I believe he was. Did you ever consider that you might be better off with a thorn in the flesh than without one? Paul didn't consider that at first. But he learned, he learned that God's grace is sufficient for him, whatever that looks like. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed, deliver me, deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. Do you have something today that you want to be delivered from? Have you been praying to God and crying out to God and begging God, take it away, take it away from my life? Have you ever considered that you might be better off with it? Have you ever considered you might be a better person? You might be a better follower of Christ. You might not be so arrogant and filled with pride and self-oriented with some weakness. I don't know. God does. I don't know about all that. God does. And that's what happens sometimes. We know that happens sometimes in the Bible. And it probably happens with us sometimes. But still, Jacob kept on, he kept on, and even though he received it as a cripple, now think about this. So the next day, Jacob goes to the front of the line. Okay? He didn't hang in the back. He goes to the front of the line, and he meets Esau. And guess what? Esau has 400 men with him. What do you think that means? Great big greeting party, huh? No, no, no. That means an army. That's what that means. Because you know what? Esau didn't know what he was facing either. He didn't know what Jacob's attitude was going to be. He didn't know but what Jacob was bringing an army. Who knows? So he's ready. He is ready. But what does he see coming down the road? A mighty warrior? The big strong guy that at the well rolled the stone off the well that it always took three men? Is that who he saw? Big strong mighty Jacob? No, that's not who showed up. A cripple showed up. 
You think that struck fear in Esau's heart? No. In fact, in some ways, God touched Esau's heart. And he ran to his brother who he hadn't seen in 20 years ago, who the last thing he said is, I'm going to kill him. And he threw his arms around him, and he hugged and kissed him, and he wept, and he rejoiced that his brother had come home again. You see the difference in Jacob? He goes to the front of the line. He's a different man. He's hugging and kissing his brother. You think God didn't answer his prayer? Sure he answered his prayer. He gave him the blessing. He gave him what he wanted. He alleviated his fears. You think Jacob's afraid now? No. Everything turned out wonderful. Oh, by the way, I am a cripple. But in the big picture of everything, God is teaching Jacob an important life lesson that plays a role in changing who he is. And sometimes we need these life lessons. God uses these life lessons. No matter how difficult the, the difficulty that we're going through or how horrible it might seem at the time, God is a God who can take the bad things that happen and use them for our good. Do you believe that? Has anybody here lived that? Have you been through that? Have you seen that situation? Yeah. I use Cruz a lot. I'm going to use him again. Stand up, Cruz. Here is a man who thought he had the world in the palm of his hand. A lifetime musician, a man who toured all over Europe, the United States, one of the greatest guitar players you'll ever hear. But in his own words, a hopeless drug addict for decades. Cruz had a terrible car accident. If you see pictures of that car, it looked like somebody took a Coke can and just crushed it. And you see that and you think there is no way anybody could have made it out of that car alive. But God spared Cruz's life. The first time I saw Cruz, he was scary looking. He had a big old metal thing wrapped around the side of his head and jaw and screws all in his jawbone, holding his jaw together. He was scary looking. Cruz is one of the sweetest people that you'll ever meet. And I, I'm not a gambling man, but I bet you this, you can't talk to Cruz five minutes without Jesus coming up. You can't do it. Here's a man whose life has been completely changed by God. Oh, by the way, Cruz has a significant brain injury. 
Cruz struggles with a number of different things in just everyday life because of that brain injury. I want to ask Cruz a question right now. Cruz, are you a better man today? Are you better off now as a Christian with a terrible brain injury no longer touring the world with a guitar or were you better off in all your days of popularity? That's right. That's right. And I want to tell you something. Not only is Cruz better off with Jesus, but I am too. And you are too. We are all better off with Jesus. Jacob, old Jacob, in it for himself, Jacob, stick it to whoever, Jacob, if it's to his benefit. God used Jacob and changed his name, prophetic name, Israel, the nation of Israel, come from Jacob's sons, Jacob, the father of Israel, whose name was changed to Israel, which means struggle with God. And all since then, all through history, all through the ages, since that time, guess what Israel has always done? They have always struggled with God. Isn't that amazing? But out of Israel, out of Jacob, out of Israel, the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world has happened. Jesus Christ came into this world. He lived and died for us. And now we can live. Now we can receive the blessing. Now we are the blessed ones. We are the children of God. We are the new Israel, if you will. That's the story of Jacob. And in many ways, that's the story of me and you. Praise team, why don't you come on up?